In this episode of the QEH podcast, we're talking to the head of futures, Alan Polzer. Apart from having one of the best job titles possible, Alan has a role that's all focused on the students at QEH. So we're going to hear how Alan ended up in this role at school, what it means for the children, and also how the school's alumni and parent community is getting involved too. That's all coming up in this episode, so come with me now as we speak to Head of Futures, Alan Polzer. Alan, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm very well, thank you. It's a sunny Thursday at QEH. I had two lots of year sevens this morning and it's lunchtime. I've got enrichment coming up this afternoon with year eight. So all good. So tell us about year sevens. I mean, how are they? You know, here we are in May. So they're well and truly settled into into the year seven. How are you finding they're getting on now? Yeah, I think they're really well. Um, so I've, I've got two groups, which is nice because it means I get to see a lot of them. And I mean, they do change a lot from September when they first come in and they're all kind of slightly overawed by being at secondary school. And now obviously they are, for the most part, a lot more confident, a lot more settled. They've kind of got to understand the kind of rhythms of the school, uh, which is great to see. And obviously that comes with slightly new challenges as a teacher when they're a bit more confident and a bit more self-assured. And they start looking a little bit more like like year eights, but no, they're they're doing really well. And you mentioned that the year eights are having enrichment this afternoon, I think you said. Um, Mm. For people listening that have heard the word enrichment, and might not know what it is just tell us what that is so every year group in year seven to ten has enrichment on a thursday afternoon which is currently overseen by uh, mr appleby Um, and they move through a kind of rotor of different elements of developing themselves so some might be personal skills some might be activities um, and over the course of the year they do kind of sessions in every one of those and multiple Mm -hmm. sessions in each one. So you might um, have some going down for a walk at the harbour, you might have some doing climbing, but then you also might have some doing a a future session with me the following term or something on e-safety or um, some gardening, for example. So it's a really wide range of things that students are offered. And it's just a way of ensuring that Thursday afternoon is that time to kind of develop and reflect on themselves a little bit and develop kind of other aspects of their personality and their character. So it's a really important part of what we do here and it's also an important part of the futures program because it's also one way through which i ensure that i see every student in every year group it's really interesting to hear this because i'm thinking about some of the older generation of people that may well be listening to this podcast episode who might still have a view that school is all about learning english and learning maths and learning history and that these kinds of things should really be left to the families and shouldn't be done in schools clearly you feel quite passionately that this kind of thing should be taught in schools Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I think it's kind of part of what helps us understand the kids and part of what helps us ensure that their time at school is full of positive associations and happy memories. I mean, I think you have kids who love learning English, which is fantastic, but it's nice to see them kind of flourish in a completely different context as well and to know that school isn't just associated with one thing um it's also a place where like i kind of mentioned they can develop different aspects of their personality and their character and people develop connections with each other in different ways whether that's with other students with their peers but also with their teachers it's nice for them to see their teachers in a different context like i certainly enjoy you know seeing year sevens when we're doing say a future session based on teamwork and leadership it's very very different to when we're kind of marching on proudly through the history curriculum. So mm. it's just, a, it adds a really, really nice nice feel to the school and the, the children take it seriously and seem to, to really, really appreciate it. So it's just, um, 
amazing the sheer variety of things that were going on on a Thursday afternoon. So just while we're talking about year seven, I mean, is year seven a year that you remember fondly? If you if you look back at your own education, was it a good time or was your was your own educational experience less good? It's funny, obviously, as a teacher, you're so you think so carefully about how much you put together every lesson and the students in front of you, however many times you see them. And it's sometimes I find it quite not disheartening, but I sometimes compare that then with my own memories of school. And I think I don't remember what Mr. Welsh put together for every single history lesson we had together. So I, you know, I remember some things from my lessons in year seven, I think I remember much more about the the feelings I had of being at school and the time I had with my friends and the kind of, obviously, positive associations you had, you always remember those, those teachers who, um, who took you through those years. So yeah, I mean, how do I remember year seven? I think I remember Maybe I remember the the kid I was a lot more than I remember maybe what was going on in every lesson. But mm, I mm. certainly do think it's a major year for our students here. I think it's you know they they come from a school generally which is very different. Right, primary school is very different from secondary school, and the whole routine and rhythms of of school life are just completely different for them. And I think it's just amazing to see how how quickly. They can adapt. I think that's constantly impressive when you when you're working with year seven, how quickly they adapt and get excited about, you know, the new aspects of school. But it is also amazing seeing them compared to year elevens and year thirteens and just thinking that's who they could be in, in seven years' time. You know, we are fortunate that we can have them for a really long period of time. I think that's really amazing, you know, from eleven to eighteen, mm. such a formative part of their life. So definitely a it's nice to see them at the start of that journey. And then when you left school yourself, did you go to university? I did, yeah. I took a gap year unexpectedly. And I, I said this to sixth formers at the start of the year when I introduced myself and my role and, and why I think it's, well, one of the reasons why I think it's so important is I am, I made quite poor choices in year 13 about what I was going to study and consequently did not get many I only got one university offer. And so I, I unexpectedly took a gap year. And obviously, it was a bit of a knock because I, I did four A-levels and I, I was predicted good grades in them. But I just applied for the wrong thing. And I, I didn't really understand the process as much. And I'm not putting that on my teachers. You know, I think it's also a bit about your personal preparation and how much you understand the process, which, yeah, maybe a bit more should have come from my teachers, but a bit more of it should have come from myself. And so then that was, you know, quite sobering and going into kind of year 14 and thinking about my reapplication, I kind of really had to revisit, you know, what is it that actually motivates me? Why did I choose this subject in the first place? And I, I kind of took a step back from it and I was supported by a teacher who had been my head of house. Um, in that kind of September after year 13 period when I was reapplying. And I applied for history with study in German. And I was offered a place at Bristol and I, I did that. So I did four years at Bristol Uni. Okay, right. And so how long have you been at QEH for now then? Since September. So Head of Futures is a new role. Previously, I was a deputy head of sixth form in North London and careers coordinator at Harris Academy Tottenham and came back to Bristol over the summer. I imagine that Tottenham's very different to Bristol life then, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, let's talk about your Head of Futures role. I mean, that, that's an interesting uh, title in itself. Tell us, first of all, what Head of Futures is. So our vision for Futures program at QEH is that every child is prepared for their future. And that's one of the things that I spoke about with Mr. Heathcote when I, when I applied for the job. And I kind of really placed their emphasis on every child and their future. So there's a few elements kind of within that. I think first is that students know what's out there. So through enrichment sessions, 
as we've been talking about, plus tutor time and drop-down events like National Careers Week. We explore how the world of work is changing and how that might affect them. So kids are familiar with this concept of kind of the fourth industrial revolution and what that might mean in terms of professions that are being automated, you know, that they're aware through, say, enrichment sessions that I do with Year 9. We look at labour market information and how certain sectors are predicted to change over the next 10 years, what that means for jobs at different levels within that industry, what that means for earning potential, etc. And so then we go through their options at all stages, you know, whether that's subject choices for GCSE or A-level or destinations after school, after year 11 or after year 13, and we seek to ensure that they're confident on the merits of all avenues and they reflect on what's going to suit them best. And the second element, so we need them to know what's out there. We also need them to be ready for their next step, whatever it is they, they choose to do. So from year seven onwards, we work on developing their understanding of so-called workplace skills or transferable skills, soft skills, 21st century skills there's all sorts of terms applied to them but you know things like communication leadership teamwork initiative etc um so these are things that that are developed throughout their time at school in so many different ways right on the sports pitch outdoor pursuits dv house fundraising house music drama these are things that they're doing throughout their time at qeh anyway and what we want to do is just make them conscious of this and reflect on their areas of strength and also think consciously about how they can use their time at school to develop the areas that maybe they're not so good at i mean i don't have many year sevens telling me they feel very good at presenting i don't have many year tens telling me they're very good at presenting but then it's about okay well what's coming up in the next year or what's coming up in the next two years where you can seek out and utilize an opportunity to develop that and also then it's about kind of digging a little bit deeper into what some of those skills actually mean and how you apply them. So leadership, for example, year sevens, I don't know why I'm going on about year seven so much. I think it's just, we started by talking about them. So they're on my mind, but you have quite a few say, oh, you know, leadership, I'm a good leader. And then we'll do a kind of activity, a kind of teamwork activity, and then we'll reflect on it. And we'll kind of unpick a little bit, you know, that a leader isn't actually somebody who just has the idea and makes everyone do it. A leader is actually someone who brings other people in and identifies skills in others and encourages people. And, and actually sometimes being a leader is, is taking a back seat. So we have those those sort of conversations through those sort of activities to, in order to kind of ensure that, like I said, they're kind of ready for that next step and they're, they're, they're conscious of how their skills might align better with one future path than another. There's, there's so much involved in this, isn't there? I mean, how do you go about making children in school aware of the different possible career options that there are because i imagine that traditionally you know uh, well if you look really traditionally then it's a case of you know do, do you want to be a, a doctor do you want to be a lawyer do you, want, you know and and there are those traditional kind of career paths but then there are so many other career paths that that aren't obvious but then we also hear so often in in the media quite often about how uh, there are these whole entire careers that haven't been invented yet what are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree. And I think that's why you know, one of the, the things that's so important is, a, is about it being their future, right? So, so through the Futures program, we want the students to be confident that their choice is going to be right for them. And what, what you have sometimes is you've got year 13s paralyzed when they're trying to choose their university options because they're trying to choose a course that's going to lead to a career that's going to keep them happy and satisfied for the rest of their lives. And obviously the reality is, as I think teachers and parents and, and anyone who's been through that process is aware is that that's far too high a bar to set, right? You can't, 
you're not going to choose something to do next year that's going to keep you happy in 25 years time because of your own personal things changing but also like you mentioned you know the workplace is changing and if you and if you expect things to stay static and set your set your hopes too rigidly upon a point that is fixed at this moment in time then like you say for some of those reasons you mentioned it might not be there anymore so no one can guarantee because of things like automation and some of the other things that you mentioned you know what your first job is going to be and it's not particularly likely that people stay in that job for more than a few years so thinking about futures has to start with the individual you know what do i enjoy what are my strengths what do i like spending my time doing and we want to give them that really broad understanding of the workplace so through workplace visits through having speakers come in through workshops delivered by local businesses and couple that with their with a keen understanding of themselves. And we think that's what's going to give them the solid platform for making informed decisions about their future, because you're completely right, their future is going to be very different from the present. But it's also, they need to think about it, I think, differently to the way they did, say, when I left school in 2005. And when their parents left school, maybe a little bit earlier. So, of course, we, we often hear as well that, that this generation will experience, you know, two or three careers, you know, not talking about job changes, but actual career changes. And, and whereas the people who are listening to this may well just be sticking with one career for their, for their entire working life. Do you think that that's a reflection of greater opportunity that's available to people or do you think that it's the shorter attention span of the TikTok generation? I don't know. I think it would, I think it would seem quite unfair to blame their attention span for the way for the way industries are changing. I just think it's. It, I mean, it's a confluence of of factors at the moment, isn't it? I mean, the big one is, and this is what we we spoke about in an uh, in an assembly I did for year ten and upwards. Is we talked about. We looked at industries that are projected to grow across the UK over the next 10 years, and we looked at industries that are set to decline over the next 10 years, and we picked out some of the reasons why that is the predicted trend. And for some of them, it's technological advances. For some of them, it's world events or shifting balance of world power or whatever you want to call it. And for some of them, it's demographic changes, right? So, so you know, we have an, an aging population that's living longer, and that requires all all number of solutions, whether they're they're medical, physical, or kind of technological in terms of managing pensions for longer. So, we kind of unpick it a little bit, and yeah, I think to come back to the to the kind of point made earlier, it's it's about them being comfortable with change, knowing that change is going to be a feature of their working life. But also you want to communicate that in a way that isn't going to terrify them because I don't want to get up and, and say, you know, you can't predict it at all, so why bother? I think I, w- I want them to be comfortable with change because they're going to need to be. And that's what all these reports show, that, that those skills such as empathy are going to be particularly desirable in a highly automated world. So that's why we do a lot of work on considering and reflecting on skills and spotting opportunities to develop them because we think that will develop habits to that will set them up well for a sort of continual lifelong learning process that is probably going to be how their careers are going to shape up. Okay, well, let's talk about apprenticeships versus university. I mean, what, what are the advantages and disadvantages of, of each of those two paths? The apprenticeship space has changed massively over the last few years, and it continues to. And I think the key thing that many people 
do not bear in mind about apprenticeships beyond level three, i.e. post A-level apprenticeships, is that very many of them result in the apprentice being awarded a degree. So choosing that pathway does not close the door on getting a higher education qualification. But the difference, of course, is that you do that qualification alongside a paid job. So you're earning while you learn, you're gaining experience of a workplace, as well as developing your theoretical understanding. I think the merits of that are fairly obvious, but it, but it's, of course, a very different experience from going to university full time, right? Your social life will be different. You're not going to live in halls with a bunch of people who are engaged full time in academic study in the way that you might be if you went to university. So you, you may feel less immersed in the world of academia. And the quality and availability of apprenticeships is less predictable, really. You have some which are highly rated and extremely competitive. So you know, whether you're looking at IBM or Accenture, you know, big blue chips offer apprenticeships like that in partnership with the University of Reading and things like management or technology or systems engineering. Uh, but they come up like jobs. So it's a bit difficult at the start of year 12 to know exactly what's going to be available in two years time, particularly if you're not looking at one of those national providers, you're thinking of looking more local. So I think some students are just ready to get into the workplace. I mean, studying full-time does not appeal to them. And I think there can be any number of reasons for that. Not saying that their choice is any more valid than somebody who does decide they want to go into university. I mean, I myself went to university, and like I mentioned, there are, there are many benefits of it. So, But when they're 23 or 24, the person who's done a, an apprenticeship after doing it, particularly if they've done an apprenticeship after doing A-levels, they'll be a very different prospect to an employer than someone who's just graduating not necessarily better, but there'll be a different prospect because of the experience they'll have had. So I think if students have a fixed idea of the sector they want to go into, I would strongly recommend researching apprenticeships in that area. And if it is something in which a lot of apprenticeships are available, then I would suggest pursuing them alongside also exploring what pursuing that at university, so full-time university, would look like. I think it's definitely an option for all students, but I think the viability of that option probably depends on on the sector that is of particular interest to the individual student. Got it. Got it. Okay, tell us about the Futures Fair I believe you organised recently. What was that all about? I did. So I think it was just quite conscious that obviously after the, the two years that students have had there hasn't been a lot of opportunities or as many opportunities as they would have had to to go to workplaces to meet with employers and to have employers come in and see them so we wanted to do something big that kind of hit as many year groups as possible so we divided it up into three elements we had a a futures fair which is more like what you'd understand i think by your traditional careers fair in the schoolroom. we had about 25 employers from a range of industries come in so whether that was ibm or atkins or had some architects of the army or engineering firm renishaw they came in they had their stands and students from year nine upwards could go mill around and ask questions um about that and year nine because obviously that that might seem like quite early to put them into a career sphere but we'd told them about it through their assembly and they had a little treasure hunt to do as well to kind of stimulate those conversations, you know, find find a career where languages are important or find a career where you can do an apprenticeship. So a little bit of something to prompt them along, whereas the kids higher up the school maybe have a few more questions ready. Then we had some sector spotlight talks for year 10 and up. So we had speakers 
covering a range of industries. So we had some lawyers, we had someone from the medical profession, we had some economists, uh, some architects and town planners. So we kind of grouped them around different industries and students from year 10 and upwards could choose the two they wanted to attend. Um, so we kind of matched them up, provided that they actually did the form that requested their choices which not everyone did, but again, that's something to reflect on and work on in future, how we can ensure that students are making the most of opportunities come their way. So we matched them up with, with those talks and we had a lot of alumni come along for them. We had some parents come along as well and people from national and more local businesses just for a sort of 20-minute talk, what do I do? How did I get here? What would be my advice for you at this stage of your, your education? And then the students could ask questions. And then alongside that, we had some mock interviews running in the library for year 12 and 13. So I think at a height, we had about 30 interviews running concurrently, uh, majority of them done by alumni. But we also had a couple of parents who worked for local HR and consulting firms. They helped me devise the interview questions. Um, and students were given a slot to turn up for, and it was a basic competency-based interview. So students were told in advance what questions they were going to be asked. They were coached in the kind of star technique for answering questions. And it was just to give them that experience, really, of having sat down in front of someone who doesn't know them, who's approaching the, the situation without prejudice. And then they got some feedback on the impression they made, you know, some of the practical things like eye contact, posture, you know, did they look engaged, etc. But also some of the, the things then that I can take forward because I looked through every single piece of feedback they got, you know, was the student prepared? They were told to bring a CV. Did they bring a CV? Et cetera, et cetera. So then the hope is that it's directly formative for the students, right? And they take that with them then into future, but also it's helpful as a kind of diagnostic tool for me and for the wider sick form team and for their form tutors who've looked at the feedback as well to kind of think, okay, who made the most of this opportunity? Who was well-prepared? Who was too scared or too unprepared or you know, whatever number of reasons or didn't think it was worth their time, et cetera, because that does happen. Why is that? How can we reflect on that? How can we kind of build that into the futures program going forward? So, yeah, those were the three elements of the day. And, and we had a, a lot of positive feedback from employers, which was which was really great. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it must be great to get alumni and parents involved in that kind of thing as well. Alan, if anybody wants to find out more about about what you do there, about futures, about ahead of futures in your role. How could they get in touch with you? Thank you for asking that. So uh, they can email me, which hopefully we can put in the show notes. So apulse at qehbristol.co.uk. We also have a futures Twitter, so at qehfutures. Um, if you follow the school Twitter, they will retweet and repost that stuff as well. So I think, and you can direct message me on that. But yeah, you can email or you can call me via the school switchboard. I would love to hear from any parents who would like to get involved, um, whether that's coming in maybe to deliver a workshop to a select group of students, we can make it focused around a specific industry, a specific subject, um, or anyone who works locally who thinks they might be able to accommodate some students coming into a workplace. Awesome. Alan, that's great. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for opening up this world about your role in school and, and explaining how it all works. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. So that was Alan Polzer, Head of Futures at QEH. Thank you for your time, Alan. Really good to hear all about the work you're doing there in school. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.